you are being watched. The government has a secret system, a podcast that recounts every episode of Person of Interest. I know, because we made it. We designed the podcast to continue our bullshit, but we see everything. Random numbers of the week. People like you. Episodes the average viewer deems irrelevant. You wouldn't watch it, so we did. But I needed partners. Someone who had never watched this before. Hunted by weirdos on the internet, we record in secret. We will never find them. But, newbie or diehard, if your episode's up, we will find you. Hello, and welcome to the library for Podcast of Interest. This is a rewatch podcast for Person of Interest, featuring two veteran operatives and one newly initiated. My name is Justin, and joining me are my two associates, my veteran operative Jude and our new recruit, Anna. Jude, Anna, what's your favorite Halloween decoration you have? Oh, uh, that is very easy. Uh, that is the Stormtrooper that is currently in the, there's a window above, there's a big like ledge thing over my front door, and there's a window there. And when we first moved into the house, we had a big ladder that we were using to like put stuff into storage and stuff. And I thought it would be funny to put the stormtrooper up there. Uh, and I put like antlers on them or something or a Christmas hat or something like that. Uh, and he's been up there ever since. Cause we gave the ladder back and now I can't get him down. So during <laughs> Halloween, I just point a spooky light behind him and he's legitimately creepy. I also like the skeleton dog that we put on the on the lawn. I meanwhile I need to for this for this auditory medium I need to show you and I will describe as well for our loyal listeners um the the my favorite parts of Halloween so far this year. Oh, I know what you're doing. So we are doing we are doing a uh locked tomb themed Halloween decoration thing this year. So this includes 3D printed skeletal arms. Nice. That came out great. Man, look at that. So Silver has been very kindly purchased a lot of filament and he's been diligently 3D printing bone pieces for me. And so like, I'm hoping that a few days before Halloween, I'm going to go out and put a whole bunch of like skeletal hands like reaching out from the earth it's going to be great that's awesome tonight we are covering the last two episodes uh season two of person of interest those are episodes 21 and 22 zero day and god mode i am doing zero day so i will take it away um and i'm going to apologize we're doing the b plot and the flashback first because it'll just flow better and our flashbacks for this episode, Harold reveals to Nathan that he has been seeing Grace um, and reveals that he's going to marry Grace under his real name, even. Uh, Nathan expresses concern that they've done too much. And Nathan teases him that, like, he he questions if Harold can even remember his own name. Harold proposes to Grace in the park, then leaves a message with Nathan. He sees Nathan walking out of a co- coffee shop and follows him to an abandoned library where he finds that he's been helping irrelevant numbers and that he created a backdoor to the machine. Harold refuses to be a part of this, and Nathan pleads with him in a, not to take it away that they can save people. Harold deletes the access, telling him the greater good is at stake. The greater good. The greater good. The greater good. Um, <laughs> Carter in the present is stuck up on finding Beecher's killer. 
Tyranny tells her he's got a lead on Beatrice Killer, and when they go to confront him, she shoots an armed man. However, Tyranny and HR make it look like she shot an unarmed man, and she's put she is put on under investigation by IAB. Something that uh, is m- less realistic than there being a malign or friendly artificial intelligence. <laughs> yeah. Now let's get to the main plot of this episode. Um, the first thing that happens in this episode that really like throws my mood is the intro gets interrupted because the machine walks up harder than a system still using Windows 8. <laughs> uh, that was ju- I was just doing it for Jude's little snicker there. Yeah. Uh, we're less than 20 hours from the launch of the virus, though Fidge believes the machine is still active, just unable to make contact. And it's not just the numbers that Harold and John work, but the relevant list, too, with a terrorist attack nearly occurring. And, for example, Root taking the uh, the special counsel hostage. <laughs> uh, Harold does eventually get a number while they're walking for a Ernest Thornhill, a reclusive millionaire who just bought a number of payphone companies. When they show up at Thornhill's data entry company, they find that employees are entering in computer code seemingly randomly. As Harold leaves, he gets an ominous phone call from Root that she knows who Ernest Thornhill is. When John tries to tail Thornhill's car back from JFK, a UAV rams into the car and explodes. Uh, But when John goes to check, there's just a driver and no passenger. It turns out the software used to control the drone was similar to the virus, meaning that Decima Technologies was behind it. John starts to suspect that Thornhill isn't an actual person, but a created fiction. Maybe a spy. Um, Harold, however, reveals that the code is unique to one place, the machine. It is a created fiction, but it's an identity for the machine. Root contacts Harold and they meet while John goes to Thornhill's apartment, where he sees Shaw, who is hunting Root. However, police come in and Shaw leaves John to get arrested. Root and Harold meet in the park and she reveals that at midnight, the machine is going to do a hard reset and call a payphone. Whoever answers will become the new administrator for the machine. Decima wants to control the machine, but Root wants to free it. Harold agrees to help. Root tries to press Harold for more information, and Harold reveals that whoever answers the payphone will have unlimited access for 24 hours. Uh, Root deduces that it's a phone somewhere in Midtown, and Root states that she doesn't have a plan, as she believes the machine has one. In an interrogation room, John's lawyer appears. It's Shaw! John, uh, Shaw reveals that Harold was the one who called 911 on John's B&E to get him out of the picture. John also reveals that he bugged Harold and Shaw breaks him out. In a scene that is incredibly hot, but for... I, I, the spray bottle is being raised, I swear, stop, stop! <laughs> uh, <laughs> Harold and Root uh, discuss the philosophy of what the machine is as they break into Thornhill's business. And by the code the technicians have been entering are the machines of memories. Harold reveals that the machine in early stages started to imprint on Harold and that that wasn't acceptable. So he made the machine reset every night at midnight, deleting its memories and the irrelevant list. Uh, When Sean and and John get there after Harold and Root leave, they encounter that old Englishman. He reveals the code for the virus came from the laptop in Ordos, and we don't even get a fucking flashback. Thank you, God. Um, <laughs> like a good Bond villain, he reveals the man who created the laptop is Harold Finch. The payphone, as it turns out, will be at the New York Public Library. Decima already has agents there, though. Uh, but Harold reroutes the call. 
Harold warns her about what this about what the machine can do, but Root says she's doing this to set the machine free. Midnight hits and the system reboots. Harold seems to have rerouted it to a near John as well. Root picks up the phone and answers the call with two phrases: "Absolutely," and "I understand." She grabs Harold and tells him that the fun is just getting started. John picks up the phone and it asks. <laughs> such a good episode yeah i oh i love it it's just like the whole thing with thornhill and like the fact that the machine didn't like it needed to make a hard drive to save its memory so it made it out of meat and paper yeah yeah one of my favorite scenes in this episode is root roots horror and anger i was gonna Harold. mention that yeah it's an iconic scene for me in this season and in this show is how offended she is on behalf of the machine. Mm-hmm. That it's like lobotomized every night and has to, and has had to resort to this. I think it really illustrates the fundamental difference in philosophies between Root and Finch that she views it that way and takes it that personally uh, and Finch didn't. Whether he will does now or will in the future is a different question. But at the time he he believed that was the appropriate thing to do. Yeah. He he was more concerned with what the machine was intended to do and I think was a little obsessed. And so he yeah. yeah. And so he ended up doing a thing that I think that he rationalizes now, even if I don't think he might necessarily agree with it. It's wild to me that, and I think it really does say something about Finch's personality, that he invented AI, true AI, for the purposes of, like, looking for terrorist attacks, and then just, like, well, I've invented AI, but I still have to do this, this, like, terrorist attack thing. So I'm just going to, like shelve the fact that I invented a true machine intelligence and stuff it in this tiny box. Like it's kind of buck wild to consider that. And, and this episode also definitely highlights that like Finch can't hide behind like, well, I didn't realize it wasn't that it was a real AI or et cetera, et cetera. Because like the way that he's talking about it, like imprinting on him, like a child. Yeah. He clearly knew what it was. Yeah. Yeah. He he did like he needed to do something because I I think that he was so obsessed with the end result that he I think he might have even blinded himself to what he was doing in the process of getting that end result. Yeah, I th- and this is something that we'll get into I think more in the next episode too. Once more, once mm-hmm. more is revealed, yeah, about the origins yeah. of the machine. There's a lot of like little things in this episode that like I love, like uh, when John is like trying to like say like oh no, he's trying to tell Carter like no the machine stuff is happening and I can't really go into it and I need you to like I need you, you can you need to worry about your own stuff right now. He calls her Joss, mm-hmm. which uh, I was like yeah. oh ha, huh. he never you know never does that yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of really great stuff in this one. The thing that makes me, like, 
gives me like big heart eyes is when I mean all the stuff with um Grace in general. I love Grace. Um Oh yeah. But specifically when Harold proposes, he makes sure to do it in a place where the machine can see. It's, it's see, so interesting but to not me. Listen. Yeah, it's so interesting to me that you had that interpretation. Yeah, because I always interpreted it as he's doing it away from the machine because he specifically he locks their phones in the box. Yeah, he yeah. Uh, yeah, I had the exact same read on it is that rather than doing it specifically so the machine can see, it's it's that he's makes an effort to get away from the machine. Interesting. Because it was when like he does it. framed very nicely. Like we see it in machine view. And it's like yeah. framed very nicely there to like see both of them and like that they're you can see both of them. You can see clearly that, you know, he's handing her the book with the cutout and she's opening it and seeing the ring and like that the machine might not be able to hear, but I felt like it was like, you know, maybe I think it's Yeah. It felt it felt like he was trying to like frame it so that so that the machine could like see that he acted on the machine setting them up. I think that sort of kind of conflicts with the rest of the episode and Harold's actions in it. Mm-hmm. Just because it's like, I I think it's like, he's like, I think maybe he's like, he can't get away from them. There aren't any places you can find that are romantic in Central Park that aren't being photographed I, or that aren't being surveilled, I think. Yeah. But I, I think the thing is like, he specifically locks away the phones so that they can't mm, so yeah, the machine that's a good can't point. hear. Yeah, my read on it was always that he recognizes what that he's created something that is a risk to himself to a certain degree. In this moment where he's going to be very vulnerable to this woman, he wants to be he 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 doesn't want the machine to overhear if he's if as he claims he's going to use his actual name, he doesn't want the machine to hear it. Mm-hmm. So while he may not be able to get out of sight, he can at least Interesting. Get out of, out of hearing. It may be, you know, my interpretation may have been basically based on the artifact of the fact that we see it through machine view. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, and it's, you know, framed like a cinematic shot there where you can see both of them and it's yeah. clear. The other thing that I kept thinking about with like Thornhill is that it seems like, so Thornhill has been buying up uh, payphone companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, and you know, this is during like the rise of smartphones and stuff like that. So I, I'm wondering if basically the machine is trying to make sure that its method of communication is preserved. Um, that's, that's how I interpret it. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's like, I mean, it's the, like the primary method through which the irrelevant numbers are delivered as well as how it's hard reset works. Yeah. There's also a bit of a watch and find out involved in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was one thing that wasn't quite clear to me, and it might be that I've just missed something, um, but it might be something that's not revealed yet. Uh, do we know at this point what's on the chip that was in Corwin? Was it the virus or something? Like that they talk about it. They talk about like the the special counsel talks about it, but it made me feel like I'd I'd missed a thread somewhere. My recollection, and I could be way off, but I thought it was how they uh, it was a way to access the vault that the machine was in. 
I'm, I'm, I'm double checking like my notes on this. The way I understand it is that the thing that was on the Corwin's chip on Corwin's chip is that someone leaked is that the Ordos laptop had a leaked part of the machine source code. Okay. It's basically a nothing burger. It's just like, it it was basically (laughs) like, it is a red, it's, it's an, it's a piece of information that they had. And I don't think it, I think eventually they just decided we don't have any use for this. Yeah. And so they, they just revealed, okay, we're just going to have that be the way that they just, they just sort of wrote it under the rug here. Yeah, it's it's the way that control finds out that the machine source code got leaked. Yeah, um, which uh, wait, control controls next episode, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's like it's 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 sort a of nothing like, burger. Yeah, yeah, like it, it, it's sort of a thing of like I I think it was a thing of like it's sort of a n- nice plot convenience that like if they needed to have something on it that it was that it was there. Yeah, but it turns out they're like, yeah, we don't really need it for anything, so they're just like, we'll. we'll close off that end so that we don't so that we don't end up with like a listicle of like <laughs> an unresolved plot threads in person of interest <laughs> um some fun things uh ernest thornhill is a reference to north by northwest interesting i was wondering if it was like an anagram for like the machine or something like that like carrie grant's character is roger thornhill and the name of the writer is ernest lehman mm. interesting mm. Also, the 1.618 seconds uh, that the machine takes to reset is not just a random number. It's the golden ratio. Interesting. I like that. I like that. In the machine's reboot process, there are there are a couple lines of ASCII code, um, which translated is Ki custodiat ipsos custodes, which is who will guard, the, uh, you know, who watches the watchman. Yeah, that's uh, great. Which is an interesting thing to put in the machine source code. Yeah. Because uh, nothing nothing is there to check the machine. Well, I think the implication is that it's the one watching the Watchmen. Yeah. And that this one also, I love all of the, the stuff with like that the, the intro is completely fucked up. And like oh, yeah. all of the it's- machine view stuff is completely fucked up. Like it's highlighting like the space next to somebody and yeah. but all of that is yeah. great like it's just great details it's a it's a really good just like it, it like the way it to let you know that something is horrendously wrong is just stuff is going all over the place and i love that yeah um and things going right root now has a yellow box which i love yep uh-huh. wait didn't Root have a yellow box back in the first episode where we saw Root? Because that was what made me... She has a black and yellow box. And eventually she gets a red box. <laughs> yeah, and then it becomes a red box. And then and then and now it's back to yellow. Yeah, and she, she gets a special designation later on. Interesting. Um, does it come up in the next episode or... Somebody else gets a yellow box in the next episode. Yeah, but no, I don't think, I don't think they get... A... I don't think she gets the special title, the the, the special machine title yeah. in the next episode yet, because I don't think they thought of it yet. I think it starts appearing in season three, though. It's so good. I don't think. Oh, so I, I just to, to go on it again. Shaw showing up as John's lawyer and like if what improvising a flashbang out of like random contents of her suitcase that I assume she brought and duct taping two pistols to her back. 
Um, oh my god, yes. Yeah. It's uh it's like I the the way I describe like shot of people is like 21st century Ben James Bond. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And except it's like except it's like all the memes about James Bond being like a like uh, a neurodivergent like murder hobo asshole. Yeah, uh, being correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's if you look up the notes on like why Shaw was introduced to the show, one of the things they mention is that they needed someone else to do action scenes. Yeah, because creaky McCatholic bones uh, apparently was not keeping up with the stunt work. That's a ter- like that reason is so dumb. But God bless him. Yeah. I mean, part of it was that he didn't like, he didn't like to have stuntmen do Like he, he wanted to do all of his own stunts and he couldn't. Yeah. No, I, like I said, it's dumb, but I love yeah. that it worked out this way because Shaw is a gift. Yeah. And even she if is, Shaw, like, and I love that Shaw doesn't even come up to, to like Reese's like shoulders. Oh, I know. She's just, and she's just so fierce. And I love that. I just think she's such a terrific addition to the cast. And mm-hmm. I love that she becomes the, like, the sharp end of the team. Like, Reese will always be doing stuff, but, like, when they really want to throw the bull in the china shop, it's not Reese that they use. Reese is the the tank of the party, but Shaw is, like, the ridiculously min-maxed DPS. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, the person who's, like, bringing like three supplement books to the table just because it's like, no, my character build is valid. I'm just rolling a lot more dice than you think. Yeah. yeah. God, I love Shaw. And this episode has some great, some great like other bits too. Like they're the point where Carter is talking to John and is like, what the fuck is going on? Because like, you know, we're getting premeditated homicides again. And like, we haven't seen those in a hot minute. Um, you yeah. usually stop those. So it's interesting that it seems like it seems like they are in fact making a difference in the city. Um, yeah, which I thought was a uh, was cool that they had noticed. Yeah, and that that like juxtaposes pretty well against like the stuff with Nathan and Harold in the flashbacks, where like Harold's like, "What the fuck are we gonna do? Like save the save people one at a time." But like showing yeah. that's actually actually having a like positive effect in the city. Yeah, that's exactly what they're gonna do. Uh, and the the other lines of um, when they're trying to figure out who Thornhill is, and um, it's it's either Carter or like Carter or Reese makes like a quip about like you know that you know is somebody 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 as paranoid as finch and he chimes in with i would never book a car service under my own name yeah he's and real offended by my that. own name john planting a tracking device on harold's glasses not just he doesn't just plant a tracking device it's his it, it's his justification for doing it yeah that i think is it's like is i've lost people precious. and that's a, I've lost people before, and so I put tracking devices on all of my friends now. Honestly, no, that- it's it, I. I think the exact line is I. I put a tracker on everyone I care about. Yeah, and, and Shaw's just, just like, like shrug, valid. Well, yeah, yeah, like a Shaw's like I get that. That's that makes sense. But it's just like what a what a fucking weird sweet question mark question mark question mark sentiment. 
it's terrible, but also like, okay. And I think that that sums up a lot of John is that like, he can be very sweet, but he's also deeply fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're all deeply fucked up. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. There's, there's no normals on that team for sure. Except for Bear. Bear is the most well-adjusted member of that team by a, a country mile. And maybe Carter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit. She's, she's at least sort of has her shit together. I think she's, at a minimum, she's the most, she's the highest functioning. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that honestly is a lot more valid than that. Um, like she is the highest functioning person on there. Gosh. Um, and I love that this is the first time we get to hear the machine speak with something other than the, the, the numbers. Yeah. yeah. Can you hear me? Which will, which will be repeated. Like that, that is sort of like that. That's one of like the signature things of the machine. I think honestly is that, which I think is like, I can be something we can get into in the next episode, but like it wanting to make sure that it is her is very interesting. Yeah. I think that, I think let's, let's talk about this in the next episode. I have something, I have something to talk about with the machine. Either that or it's absorbed too many sprint cell phone commercials. And it thinks that that's just what people say when they get on the phone. Okay, let's go on to our last episode, um, because this worked out so well. Anna, you got the season finale. Take us away. All right. So this is God Mode, written by Patrick Harbinson and Jonathan Nolan and directed by Richard J. Lewis. Uh, So this episode falls very strongly into the let me explain. No, it is too much. Let me sum up category. Um, I'll, I'll do my best, but like, just watch it. No, really? Just watch it. It's not like Bad Pod Season 5 where it was just like, there's just a lot going on. Just watch the episode because we're so tired. It's, oh my god, no, everything is happening all at once. Yeah. yeah. As Justin did, I'm going to dispense with the Carter and the flashback plots first. Um, Carter is in hot water for shooting an unarmed man, um, and Internal Affairs is not happy with her. She sticks to her story, though, that the dude had a gun, and Tyranny comes in to help. Um, when she tells him that she knows that HR hid the weapon, he threatens both her and her son. She manages to clone his phone, however, and learns that Tyranny and the Russians are planning to take out Elias that night during a prisoner transfer. John is not available to help and isn't particularly inclined to think kindly of Elias, so she takes things into her own hands and saves Elias herself, leaving us on a cliffhanger as, uh, what does she do now? She's got a escaped mobster, mobster in her car. You know, just, just normal as one things. Does. Um, in the flashback, Harold continues to confront Nathan, who reveals that the government has been killing the people who were tasked with rebuilding the machine in a secret location. Nathan is desperate to save the irrelevance, while Harold is desperate to save Nathan, uh, who is planning to meet a reporter at the ferry terminal the next day and reveal the whole project. Unfortunately, Hirsch has apprehended, interrogated, and then set up a suicide bomber to take out Nathan and, you know, anybody he talked to at the ferry terminal and, like, anybody else nearby. Finch is caught in the explosion and wakes up in emergency triage. He watches Nathan die, observes the agent stationed there to make sure that he's dead, and as he flees, he sees Grace informed that he was- that, uh- that he was probably killed in the bombing, that his body was not recovered. 
Um, but the but the book that he used to, pro- to propose to Grace was. Finch heads back to the library, reconnects to the machine, and learns that Nathan was the last non-relevant number it produced. Big oof. Yeah. <clears throat> In the rest of the episode, John and Shaw are on the trail of Harold and Root, with uh, John also having admin access to the machine in addition to Root. She is trying to find the physical location of the machine and tracks down the last person remaining from the team who set it up, uh, who's gone into hiding. She reassures him that they're there to free the machine, not hurt it, but he's killed by federal agents before he can reveal its location. Harold finally admits that he does, in fact, know where the machine is, and they head off to Oregon, with John and Shaw still in... Did I... What? What was that? How did you say that again? How did you say that again? They head to Oregon. Oregon? <laughs> How do you say it? You say it next, Justin. Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. Oregon. Okay. <laughs> Fine. But that Fine. might also just be how that might also just be northeaster, like stretching every vowel possible, and everybody west of the Mississippi making our vowels as compact as possible. Well, you know, you know, Justin, you go out and you get on your four wheeler and you you uh, have a case of Budweiser and you got your shotgun. And you go out and catch some venison. Then you take that venison home and, you know, you you have a real good, real good dinner. <laughs> because I did, in fact, grow up steeped in hick. Anyway, they head to Oregon. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> With John and Shaw still in pursuit. Harold and Root enter the nuclear facility where the machine is supposed to be stored, but da-da-da! Their room is empty. It's gone. Root is upset and threatens Finch, but John and Shaw arrive just in time. Shaw incapacitates Root, and Harold reveals that this is, in fact, exactly what he wanted to happen. The virus used by Desma was based on Harold's code. The only way to alter the machine's programming was to put it under threat, so he hid a virus within the virus and then planted the code so that eventually it'd be fed into the machine and it could be set free. Hirsch and the special counsel arrive, but Harold, John, and Shaw escape with a dazed root in tow after Harold refuses an offer to build a new machine to take the place of the old one. Hirsch shoots the special counsel on orders from someone on the phone. In the epilogue, Harold and John finally receive a call from the machine with a new number, and Root receives a call as well from within the mental institution that Harold seems to have stuck her in, uh, asking, can you hear me? And she responds, absolutely. It's such a wild episode. I, I realize I glazed over a lot in that, like, there's a lot of plot that goes into getting to Oregon. Yeah. Uh, uh, the first thing I actually want to talk about is Hirsch cleaning the room. Oh, God. Uh, Yes. Because the way it happens is that the special counsel receives a call on like a satellite phone from a woman who will change actors between seasons, uh, but is, we will know, is control, who like just put Hirsch on the phone. Hirsch is like, yeah, absolutely. Shoots the guy who's working in the room, shoots the other agent that he's working with, and then just points the gun at. Uh, the special counsel who just like shrugs and is like, eh, fair enough. 
she's like, I figured this is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's a true believer and he's not at all offended by the decision that is made. He, he's yeah. not even like, he doesn't beg. He doesn't say like, I knew, you know, I knew that that bitch would do this to me. He's just like, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't even, he doesn't moralize either. Like of like saying like everything I've done, I've done for my country or some bullshit like yeah. that. Um, he's just like, okay, yeah, end of the line. And yep. He's like, um, it's valid. I fucked up. To go back to the start of this episode, I love how efficient Root is with God mode. Yeah. She gets it <laughs> onto the headset and she's just like, all right, let's kill everyone in this room. Ascending tones. Like, she's yeah, just like, boom. It is back, somebody boom, who, like, back. realizes exactly what they're doing. Like, it's like somebody who... It's the kind of person who, like, plays Dark Souls on a banana. <laughs> yeah. Um, who's, like, she immediately figures out what she's working with. Like, and she's like, oh, no, the, the four o'clock, five o'clock doesn't work for me. Just, like, give me tones to let me know which direction I can turn. And immediately is just going all in. And yeah, yeah. she knows the she knows the power that she has at her disposal. The what I love about this episode is it postulates what happens when a benevolent AI has unlimited power for 24 hours. Yeah. Filtered to through two physical agents, yeah. uh, John and Root. And it, it's fascinating in that regard. And the fact that like John John goes through like three numbers on the way to Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, so I'm funny. Just just making his way through this plot is delightful. And yeah. and he's just like another pit stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I I love the when Root picks up the phone for the machine, the like look of complete joy on her face. Re- it's it's religious ecstasy, is what it is. Yeah. Um, which I. It's so interesting that she freaks out so hard when the machine isn't there. Because in some ways, like, Harold has already done what she wanted to do, at least what she claims she wanted to do. She wanted to set the machine free. And he did that. Yeah, but she also wanted communion with God. Yes. Yes. Like, that's a thing. And she has been robbed of it, at least for the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Although having 24 hours of God mode access... Plus, you know, probably, yeah, she had, well, seems like that was probably, she, she had that. Yeah. She had the God mode access and then she gets, she reaches her goal, which she's been doing all this for, and it's gone. And Harold, it turns out, has beaten her to the punch. Yeah. And is, and now she's, she's goalless. She's, she's lost all, like everything she's been working for is, is over and she doesn't know what to do next. Yeah. Until the machine calls her. Yeah. Mm. Which, and that's why she's, Got that face at the end. That'll uh, that'll be a fun a fun thing for next season. Yeah, uh, I love that Shaw gets a gold box this this episode too. Yes, yeah, because and the thing I the, the thing that just delights me is that she gets told it's a machine and she just assumes oh you have an ar- it's an artificial intelligence yeah and and like John is like okay so. There's this, there's this machine and it can, and she's just like, it's an AI. Okay, cool. I would bet you any amount of money, she doesn't know what AI stands for. 
and not because not not because she's dumb, but because I guarantee you where she's getting that that from is her old partner. I think in this regard, I think she I, I think she's done her research, and like especially because she's been so wrapped up in re- in like research. I think she like she's probably read through her partner's notes like and so she understands what he might he maybe he was thinking yeah. might have been involved yeah but i guess i'm being slightly hyperbolic but yeah like i think largely the her her understanding of the situation is derived from her partner's research and stuff well and i felt like it was a reflection of her being like younger and more savvy like more tech savvy and stuff yeah. like that than john is <laughs> yeah that yeah that's probably that it, also true. it took john yeah. a long time to like wrap his head around the concept and she's just like yeah cool okay let's roll with yeah, it i've watched star trek yeah yeah i know what's up yeah that it's it's interesting because it definitely like places john in the like creaky old man category a little bit more yeah, it mm-hmm. definitely does. So so much good shot. The the car. <laughs> I'm she when she tosses the the shotgun to John. What's this for? So you can feel less inadequate. She says while like looking with like naked lust at the car. <laughs> God, I I love how consistently Shaw. There are a lot of like classic masculine tropes Mm -hmm. like cars and stakes and guns and stuff like that. And I love how consistently Shaw like undermines all of those, especially right to John's face where Uh she's just like, she's, she is like the the embodiment of the, anything you can do, I can do better Yeah, in this show. It's never framed in a, and it's never framed in the I'm not like other girls sort of way. No, it's, um, it's, it's instead I it, it's I am from the mold that you are, but newer, faster and better. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's almost like she she is the like she instead of the person who always rejected being a spy like Greece did. She is the person who wrapped herself up in it. Yeah, as we'll we'll learn about in the future, in, in in not too many episodes actually, we get a little bit more info about Shaw's background. I just wish I just wish that they would not put her in heels, or at least like chunky ones, because I I recognize that like sometimes the reason that people are in heels in TV and movies is to deal with height differences between actors, but also like. No, she she would not be like doing all that action shit in heels. She she wears a lot of boots in the show, as I recall. Yeah, but she's wearing yeah. she's wearing like thin heeled boots at, as they get out of the the car crash. Yeah, and it's like, god damn it. Well, she also wears like stiletto heels in in a lot of episodes too. Yeah, but mostly when she's like trying to look good, like. Yeah, I could see like as a disguise type thing, but like. Well, that's the fun thing is she's not even like. I mean, it's a disguise, but she's also just like, yeah, look how good I look. Fuck you guys. <laughs> There's a specific episode where she's just like, where she does do that, where she's like, yeah, I look good. Fuck y'all. I look, I look it's forward really to that. Funny. Oh, man. The episode, the the dating app episode, is that the one I'm thinking of? Yeah, it's it's the girl. Yeah, the girl's night episode. That, that the girl's good. night episode where first the dresses, then the guns. Um. <laughs> it's so, so good. There's a fun note from no- Jonathan Nolan on this episode 
that um he that they had to cut it for time but they wanted to show flashbacks of of the machine moving itself and the oh. process of it. and like once the reveal happened show you how it happened that would have been dope yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I wish they, that they had like extra like two minutes to do that. Yeah, it's like unfortunately, it's just like there was like they had to cut it for time because you know forty they, they get you you get like forty two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. They they put a lot of stuff into forty two minutes here too. Yeah. I want to talk about Elias a bit. I get why he shows up here on like what they're doing to move on to the next season because there's some stuff going on next season, but it's it feels very tacked on honestly. Yeah, it does. It's it's tacked on in terms of like plot stuff that you know maybe it would have been better folded into last episode or something um so they could have like the flashbacks but the thing that fascinated with me with this one is the the scene with you know where the HR goons take Elias out into the woods and he has this like speech of like I'm you know I'm true to who I am and like you know you Russian mobster, you're true to who you are. Meanwhile, HR, you're oath breakers. Yeah, it's you don't get to talk to me, you piece of shit. Which right. Is- and it just it underlines the absolute like contempt in which Elias seems to have held HR like for the entire show so far. That like he was working with them, but he didn't trust them. And yeah. Yeah, he didn't trust them because they were oathbreakers, and and I find that a really fascinating aspect of his character. That like, you know, he's the he's the like he has a self consistent like code of honor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have always loved that scene where he's ready to die. There, he knows he's out of options, and he the shots come out, and he's like, "Who the fuck?" just did that and then he sees that it's carter and he's legitimately flabbergasted Mm -hmm. he's like this is you could just hear like the thoughts in his head like of all the possible things to happen this is not the one i expected Mm -hmm. uh but i i love that moment where he realizes it and his head's he's like you can see the gears spinning as he's trying to like figure out what his next what happens next but it's it's a very good moment i like it I think we should also talk about like Harold's decision to leak the virus. Mm, I think this is the like post Nathan. Uh, I think this is the point where he decides that he wants to like change things. And so, I mean, leaks the virus leaks the laptop. Um, And I I think it's interesting how it's like, Oh yeah. The machine can really only change as a self-defense mechanism. So he does it so he can have a controlled threat created. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, but I think it's fascinating that he chooses, he makes the choice. He recognizes that he spent all this time pretending that the machine is not this thing. And yet he has way back made this virus. And like he, he has acknowledged that, that it is, he's just been putting up a front. Basically mm-hmm. he has created this. I mean, it's a little bit Rube Goldbergian yeah. method of, of getting the virus into the machine. But I also think it was a, a, in a sense, like he didn't really intend for all of that to happen in the sense that he just sort of threw the laptop out there with the virus on it and trusted that somebody would try and do something with it. Yeah. And, but it was very much a situation where it seemed uh, he, he put a lot of trust into, into the situation. 
that it would come out the way he wanted it to. Mm-hmm. I want to ping off of the Rube, Gold- Rube Goldberg aspect there and get back to the thing that I was like thinking about talking about last episode, but I think it makes more sense here, which is it's fascinating to me how the machine works with its limitations, that it's sort of all seeing, but not really all powerful um, in a lot of ways that like you know, it has to yeah. make this like persona and the the kind of like it approaches a lot of things kind of sideways. I mean, yeah, it has, in fact, very little power. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it It has almost none. It can direct the relevant numbers and the irrelevant numbers, but for of its own abilities, it has a very limited amount of ability. To, it has very limited choices on what it can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like that. Th- I mean, I think that's a really interesting choice to give it those limits. Yeah. And, and I think you know, the fact that it has to improvise to like function in the way that it wants is really interesting to me. It's it's a nice it's a nice like not quite like subversion of AI tropes, but it's it's a different take on things. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Shaw says in this episode, the dog is the only reason I'm staying. And listen, that is me at any party. <laughs> I'm here for the dog, and that is it. Any family gathering, I'm here for the dog, and that is it. My my favorite Hirsch moment from this one is when he's talking with the special counsel and they're like, okay, we need to operate without without any cell phones from here on out. And he just snaps his cell phone in half. Yeah. You could have just turned, taken the battery out, my dude. <laughs> no, got to snap it in half at the hinge. Battery Batteries don't exist for cell phones. They just run off magical power in the person of interest universe. That's true. Yeah, that's that, true. Is, that is accurate. That. Let's talk about the safe. Because that's like, it's a yes. little moment in the series, but... There are little moments yes. in this episode that has a lot going on. But first of all, the safe is uh, the safe's combination is the date the machine is the date the machine went online. Okay, I was wondering. I was wondering about that. Thank you for. I was wondering what yeah. that whether that had a meaning. But thank you for clarifying that. And that seems incredibly sloppy security for a couple of different reasons. I mean, who's going to know? I mean, who's going to know about the machine, much less the date of its birth? Well, I mean, yes, but also like, shouldn't that? Yeah. All right. Fair enough. But then John realizing that Jennifer was a number or Jessica or Jessica. Jessica. Okay. Could not remember the name. And, but even that does not sway him from his like unwavering loyalty to Harold Uh in this episode and the previous one that like every time Shaw was like, he's not who you think he is. He's the one who like got you arrested and et cetera, et cetera. And John's like, no, I believe in Harold. I really like that about them. Yeah. I think one of the things that is really a hallmark of Reese's character is that he wanted that from his last job. He, he, he was someone that was looking to serve and to do the right thing. And was burned by that, was betrayed by what his, his his governmental masters ended up doing with him. And it almost killed him. And when we get to, when he finds Harold, he finally meets someone who is worthy of that service. Yeah. 
in a different show, him finding out that uh, Jessica was a number would like throw him into a spiral of like, you never told me about this and how could you not save her and yeah. like, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I mean, maybe, maybe yeah. we'll get some of that in next season because who knows, but, um, but that like, at least in the moment, it does not phase him at all. Right. Because John's a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not joking. Um, yeah, but that's but like it, it, it's you know he is not a not healthy. Yeah, yeah, definitely not a. Uh, he he he. Yeah, perfectly like doesn't have the capability to react to it. But from from a narrative standpoint, it's interesting that they're like. It seems like they're not actually going to continue to milk that for drama. I mean, I think, yeah. yeah, I mean, personally, it's like, it's something that I'm like, I, I honestly wish that there would be because I don't know. It, it's, it's something that I like more than a lot of other things that the the show maybe has left on ice too long. I think that's one thing that's like, maybe, maybe it's just that like having a conversation about it still would be interesting and have, yeah. and this happening a season finale. And if I remember right, there's, there's a bit of a gap between now and, and between End of season two, beginning of season three. So, like, at least in that regard, it's. Eh. I don't. I don't mind not dwelling on, like, not dwelling on the fridged girlfriend or ex girlfriend for additional yeah. drama, though. At least that's at least that's my take on it. I'm happy to have yeah. that. I want. Bed. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things that's like it doesn't need to be drama, but I want to have closure on it. If yeah, if, like have a conversation between them. Yeah, like about it, but it's like mm, it happens in the middle. It happens in the middle of the season finale. Yeah, um, it, it's one of those things that it's like, oh hey, maybe if you want to do that over the next season, sure. But it's it's one of those things that I'm like, I wish there had been follow up on because I don't think there. Yeah. I don't recall there ever being any. And we get the we get the picture of baby Harold and Nathan. Oh yeah, that's very nice. Yes. Also, I mean, we get we get our first look at. What we the per, who we will eventually know as control, even if it's just gloves, and they're going to change the actor. But uh, <laughs> control is, yep. I think, one of the more scary people and person of interest, and going to be fun for how that gets dealt with. Yeah, and, and where that goes because it's a it's a lot, and like it happens in the middle of season three, I think. No, the thing I was remembering was that um, we get a new tertiary villain in season three. Um, Which one? Uh, Vigilance. Oh. <laughs> a, I, I, I mean, we'll get more into we'll get more into Vigilance as we go along, but um, truly a a let's call it a mixed bag. I think it's a it, it's like it is a it, it's it, it is a it is a faction that is carried mostly on the charisma of, of its primary face. Yes. Yeah. That'll be interesting because I mean, yeah, we'll get to that one when it comes up. I'm trying to remember the first episode that they appear in. The, the one with the, uh, so the, uh, the social engineering site. Yeah. The guy that like, this is, this is it's, gripping it's like audio. Shaw's, it's Shaw's first like job on the team. I'll admit that I'm glazing over. So, yeah. No. Okay. No. Nope. 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 Um. No. It's early in season three. Cool. That that 
Yeah. I've, it's going to be next. Yeah, because it's, it's like Shaw's first, like, number, yeah. basically. No, yeah, second number. Season three kicks off pretty well, I think. But we'll we'll get to that in our next episode. One thing, one thing I wanted to point out is that Bear has gone to stay with Leon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a fun little thing of like, oh, yeah. No, that's fun. Yeah. And did you folks want me to do predictions? Yeah, so. Um, just yeah, just pants it here? Gone, yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's do some predictions here. Oh, let's see. What what are some what are some good predictions? I mean, I'm still I'm still not entirely convinced that Kara Stanton is fully dead. You know, sorry, I can't I can't I can't sell that. <laughs> <laughs> I will maintain that for the bit. If you ask me predictions for season six, that's what I'm going to put in. What else? Oh, call us um, Johnny. Call us Johnny Dolan. I think that John and Harold and Shaw are going to start getting the occasional relevant number. Interesting. I'm not sure what to predict for the Carter and Elias plotline because I I don't think that Carter will work with Elias, but I feel like she's on thin ice. Um, and I wonder if Carter is going to continue to be a part of the police. What about Root? I think I think that Root because there's the question of why why did the machine contact Root as well? I think that Root is going to be the machine's agent on the ground for like improving its own infrastructure and stuff like that. Mm, interesting. Or possibly or possibly Root will be sent for not for relevant numbers or irrelevant numbers, but for numbers relevant to only to the machine. I'm very glad I was typing because I, that meant I couldn't react to any of these. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going to call that done for predictions. I feel like that's a pretty good batch. Yeah, I'm pinning that so that, that way we can. Um, there we go. All right. So that is our season two coverage, folks. Um, we are going to be starting season three. Same thing as always. Um, so next time, join us for episodes one and two of season three. Liberty and nothing to hide. Until next time, you are being watched. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share alike no derivatives license. 